Praise the Lord. Amen. 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 The Lord is good, good to his people. We're going to be in the book of Mark tonight, Mark chapter number two. And as we continue on our preaching through the book of Mark, we are thankful to have his word. We're thankful to uh, participate in what's happening here tonight. I, I want to, uh, again, remind you of my goal. My goal is, and I still feel it, it's a, it, I was, it's, I'm starting to understand it more, it's a calling. I, my goal is to preach the Word of God. That's it. I just want to preach the text. I want, when you leave here, that you know what the book of Mark, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22 means. That's my goal. I want that more than anything else, believe me. I don't, I don't really care about much else other than that. I, that's my goal. I, I want us to know Scripture. Amen? I want us that we can know Scripture and live Scripture. That we can, we, I want us to be a part of a church that we, we teach and preach Scripture. Amen? And we're, we're, not, we're, not, uh, we're not after anything, anything lesser than that. That's it. That's the goal, and I want every part of our lives to be from that. The reason why we worship will be because of the gospel, scripture. Everything we do will be with that in mind, how we build our families, how we react to situations. Everything will be about that, how we live, everything. And that's my goal, and I, and I want you to pray for me, because I want, I want to be used of God greater in that subject, I don't, I don't really care about uh, being known as a good preacher. I don't really care about that anymore, honestly. I don't care about it. I don't care if anybody knows my name. I don't care if I'm invited to preach another appointment. I, wanted, I want to uh, finish this task. And I feel like I'm running out of time. I'm, I'm 40, 41 years old. And uh, if, if I live to old age, if I do, I'm, I'm running out of time. My life's halfway over. We've got to redeem the time, don't we? And the days are evil, too, and we're running out of time because we might not have much more time. You know, we might not have much more time. And so this is critical. And I want us to grow. I want us to get off the milk of the Word. Amen? I want us to, I want us to know the Bible. I want us to uh, have an appetite for Scripture. And I want us to be able to appreciate it more than we do. And I hope and pray that, that our, our interaction with Scripture just won't be on Sunday either. God help us to, to take the Word home with us. And God help us to read Scripture and think about it and meditate on it and to receive it gladly and, to, and, and ask yourself when you come here, like, this is a word that God has given us. This is a word that God's given me. And sometimes we think, well, this don't really apply to me. I'm not really going through this right now. But you might go through it tomorrow. Or maybe it's not going through anything at all. Maybe God just wants you to know it and increase your faith and worship Jesus with greater knowledge. Maybe that's what God wants. Amen. And sometimes we think, well, I, wanna, I want the Bible to help me through uh, difficult times. Listen, the Bible is far greater than that. This is the Word of God. This is it. This, and it's so important for our lives. And we're running out of time. We are. We're running out of time. And it's so important that we, we appreciate Scripture. Amen? You pray for me. That's what I want. That's what I want. That's what I want. Amen. Mark chapter 2. Let's look at verse number 18. The Bible says, And the disciples of John and of the Pharisees used to fast. And they come and say unto him, Why do the disciples of John and the Pharisees fast, but thy disciples fast not? And Jesus said unto them, Can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? 
As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom shall be taken away from them, and then shall they fast in those days. Of course, verse number 20, Jesus is speaking about his death, burial, and ascension, his resurrection and ascension. So there'll be times Jesus is saying, I won't be around them. There will be times when I won't be in their physical presence. We'll stop there for now. Heavenly Father, thank you for this night. Thank you, God, for our church. And Lord, I pray that our church becomes, Lord, a greater importance to our lives. That this becomes relevant. That, this, that our preaching and our worship and our songs and our prayer and our fellowship will become relevant to our daily lives. It won't just be something we do on a certain day. But Lord, this will, be, this will be, have such a huge part of our day-to-day life. God, I pray that you'll take your word, you'll bless it, break it, multiply it in our hearts and minds. And Lord, I pray you'll be glorified. Have me not to do anything, Lord, that makes you look bad. Have me not to discredit you in any way, even unknowingly. And God, I pray that, you'll, that when we leave here tonight... Lord, we'll leave here with a greater appreciation of you, your word, and a greater understanding. But most of all, if there's anyone here that doesn't know you as Savior, I pray, Lord, that the gospel would open their eyes and they'll repent and believe on you, Jesus, and be saved. We love you, we praise you, and thank you. In your name, Christ, we ask these things. Amen. Now, this passage here tonight, this is the same scene we was at last Sunday night, where Jesus is eating with sinners. And these Pharisees, you know, they don't really care for that. They think Jesus is breaking some rule. Now the goal, the the reason why Jesus came was to seek and to save that which was lost. And they can't see that because they're gagging at gnats and swallowing camels. You got to be careful what gets you, you know. We should be driven by the gospel of Jesus Christ, not by some rule that somebody thought up 60 years ago that solved the problem for that generation. But the gospel is timeless. The gospel is always relevant. The gospel is always the rule. The gospel is the goal. Amen? But they can't see it. They can't see it. So they're so frustrated that Jesus is eating with tax collectors. And you remember, they hate tax collectors, don't they? And they hate Matthew. He's the chief tax collector, no doubt. They're all in his house. He probably took more money from Peter, John, and Andrew than anybody in that town. And they hate him. And the Pharisees hate him. But God is working in the lives of his disciples. And look who's there eating with the, with the tax collectors. It is the disciples of Jesus Christ. The first fruit will be love. Amen. And now they're eating with Matthew, the tax collector. So the, the scribes and the Pharisees are the ones that are saying, why is Jesus eating with publicans and sinners in verse number 16? And of course, the rebuke in verse 17, Jesus said, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but they that are sick. I come not to call the righteous, I came not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. But the Pharisees, the scribes, they're still hung up on it. What he just said means nothing to them. They didn't hear what he said. They're not listening to Jesus. They're so focused on rules and a religion that is dead. It's not saving anybody. It's not restoring people's lives. It's been 400 plus years of darkness until Jesus came along and John the Baptist. And they're, they're so focused on who he's sitting with, they can't hear what Jesus is saying. And sometimes we do that. We can't hear what Jesus is saying. We can't hear it. We miss the big picture, don't we? We're so worried about something that's petty, something that's a cultural issue maybe. 
We can't hear what Christ is saying. Sometimes we do that as church, don't we? We, we, we? we major on the minors. You've heard it put that way, haven't you? I say that, I, I like that expression Jesus said. They gag at gnats, a little bitty gnat. They can't, they, they're gagging at it. I mean, they're making a mountain out of a molehill, and what he's doing isn't even wrong. We, we make things wrong that aren't even wrong sometimes. We get so distracted by what the big deal is. The big deal is the gospel of Jesus Christ, amen? That's the goal. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. And he said, I came, to, I came that, that they're not to, but to, not to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. They completely missed the point. Completely missed it. Sometimes we do that. And God gives us a message, and God is working in our lives, and we, we're so distracted by something else, we can't hear what Jesus is saying. Listen, we need to get our hearts in a position that we see Jesus Christ and we don't get distracted by petty things. Amen? They've missed it completely. They're so worried about who he's eating with. But in our text tonight, they, Jesus rebuked who he's eating with. They still hung up on it, though. And now they start arguing about not, not who he's eating with. But now they're frustrated because Jesus is eating. Now it's just you're eating. So look at verse 18. And the disciples of John, the Pharisees, used to fast. And they came and said unto him, Why do the disciples of John, the Pharisees, fast, but thy disciples fast not? So first they're mad at Jesus because he's eating with sinners, and now they're mad that he's just eating, generally. They're so frustrated that they, he's not only eating with them, but now he's, that he's just, he's just eating. So that what they're saying is, Jesus, here's what they're saying to Jesus. Jesus John's disciples used to fast. You're not doing it like John. And the Pharisees, we know by the parable Jesus gave between the publican and the Pharisee, you know the story how the publican tax collector smote himself and would not so much as lift up his eyes to heaven and said, have mercy on me, a sinner. The tax collector got it in that parable, didn't he? But the Pharisee stood within himself and prayed within himself, didn't he? And he said, I fast twice a week. So we know the Pharisees, twice, they fast twice a week. So the Pharisees are also saying, hey, you're not even doing it like us, Jesus. So Jesus, you're, you're not doing it like John the Baptist, because his disciples fast twice a week. And look at your disciples, they're eating. They're eating with sinners. So they couldn't get him on who he's eating with. Now they're trying to get him on that he's eating. They're mad that he's even eating now. Sounds kind of petty, don't it? Hey, religion compared to the gospel is always petty and trivial and meaningless. Anything that places more importance on Jesus Christ is always trivial, meaningless, and pointless. Anything that takes your focus off of Jesus is of no use to your soul and to your eternal life. Nothing. Don't get distracted, okay? We do that sometimes. Well, they didn't come in the right way. Amen. I don't like what they brought to homecoming. Who cares? Who cares if they didn't like your Pinto beans. We do that, don't we? We laugh because it's real. I don't like the song that person sung. Who cares? Who cares? I don't like it. Who cares? Really? So that's what they're doing to Jesus. Jesus, we don't like it that you're eating with them. Jesus, we don't like it that you're eating it's okay if you eat, but not with them. No, 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 now. No, no, we don't even like you eating. Because John the Baptist's disciples don't do it that way. And the Pharisees, we fast twice a week, and your buddies ain't even fasting. 
And Jesus is, that's, what he, that's why he says in verse 19 and 20, he says, can the children of the bride chamber fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. Verse 20, of course, the days will come when they can't fast. What, what's Jesus saying here? Jesus is saying to them, there's a time to fast, but right now is not the time. Right now it's about relationships. Right now they're enjoying my presence. Right now it's about me. Right now we're, we're fellowshipping and you're worried about food. Right now, I'm, I'm a converting sinners, and you're worried about this. You're distracted, in other words. You're worried about food, and Jesus is worried about souls. It's interesting. People are always worried about food. You ever notice that? Amen. They are. We're always worried about food. That's why the Bible said, Job said, I esteem the words of your mouth more than my necessary food. It's a whole thing throughout Scripture. That's why Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. That's why Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, don't worry about what you shall eat or what you shall wear. We're always worried about food, aren't we? That's a symptom of a greater problem. Don't get distracted about the food. We're always worried about this life. We're always worried about our earthly existence. Constantly we're worried about it. We can't get out of the trap of temporal living. We can't get past what we're going to do today or what's going to happen or where we're going to go. And Jesus is saying, what are you all worried about? Listen, there's going to come a time when I'm not here, but I bet you the Pharisees thought, we're not talking about you, we're talking about food. That's the point. Why aren't they talking about Jesus? Why are they worried about food? Even his disciples, after Jesus fed the multitudes, Jesus is speaking about the void, the leaven, and the Pharisees. You better be careful what them boys are peddling. And better be because he said leaven, it triggered in the disciples' mind, oh, you mean food? And Jesus said, I'm not talking about food. Because the disciples said, well, we have food left over. What? Jesus is not talking about earthly, temporal, temporary things. The gospel is the issue. It's the gospel of Christ. It's not temporal things. And the reason why food is a symptom of a greater problem because there's hardly, let's admit, there ain't hardly much better thing in this life than a good old plate of food. Amen? Now here's what some of you I think are going to do tonight. You're going to get distracted and you're going to think I'm talking about food. Because when you sit down to eat tonight, wherever you go and whatever you eat, you're going to make little jokes and you're going to say, I better be careful what I eat tonight. I'm not even talking about food. I'm not. So you're using the word, no, I'm talking about what's important. If you think I'm talking about food, then you've got food on the mind. I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about what's important. Of course we're going to have to eat. And Jesus said, hey, there's going to come a time. He's completely, he's talking about something else, and they're talking about something else. They're talking about food. He's talking about him. And why would he talk about him? Because he's the greatest, most important thing in the room, not what they're eating. Nothing in this passage talks about what they're eating. There is not even a footnote that describes the type of food that they had. There's nothing that suggests what the menu is. It is irrelevant. It is pointless and meaningless. It means absolutely nothing. Why, we can't even remember what we ate for supper last Monday night. We, it is pointless, eternally speaking. Jesus is talking about himself. He's like, I'm the physician that came to heal sinners, to save the sin sick. And they're worried about food. They're making a rule about food. That's what they're doing. They're trying to get Jesus saying, you broke a food rule. 
hey, listen, Jesus ain't trying to, he, he don't care about no food rule. You're going to find out even next week if God would help us, the disciples are going through the fields on the Sabbath day and grabbing wheat and eating it. They're still hung up on this life. Food. God help us to get beyond Amen. this temporal life. Amen? God help us to do it. And so, Jesus says, hey, he don't even address it. He's still talking about himself. He does the same thing to Nicodemus. Nicodemus says, we know that our teacher come from God. For nobody, no man can do the works that thou doest unless God be with him. And Jesus says, hey, Nicodemus, you've got to be born again. Whosoever believeth on me shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And Nicodemus was trying to figure out, how are you doing all this stuff? Jesus ain't worried about that. Jesus is worried about everlasting life. Because that's the issue. We're so blind to it because we can't stop living by sight. And we can't see the big picture. God help us to quit worrying about earthly things. Amen? You know why I think, you know what would be the greatest help to cure most of our anxiety? Was stop living earthly minded. When your car breaks down, it is of not any internal significance. You're going to be okay. You're going to be fine. It's going to work out. Lost people's cars break down. Amen. Atheists have car trouble. Jesus did not come to save us from car trouble. When the doctor messes up on something, the doctor, of course they're going to. Quit. Stop it. Let's set our affection on things above. Amen. Let's put our treasures up there too. Let's live with eternity on our minds. So... Jesus says, hey, they can't fast, I'm with them. They're like, we're not talking about you, Jesus. But Jesus is like, I'm talking about me. I'm talking about me. I don't care about food. Jesus said, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven, didn't he? Listen, your fathers did eat bread, did eat manna in the wilderness, the miracle of the wilderness. for four. Listen, it was an ongoing 40-year, day-by-day miracle. That man, it came down from heaven. Forty years it happened. It's a big deal, isn't it? And Jesus said, but they all died. They all died. Oh, wow, what a miracle. They all died. Jesus said, I'm the true bread that came down from heaven. If any man eat this bread, he will live forever. He won't die. Do you see? God help us to see. So they're worried about food. And to address their worries, because they're way off target, because they're rule-keeping, they don't see the real issue in the room, they can't read the room, they can't see what Christ is doing, they're just so mad at him, so angry, they're worried about food, they're trying to get him on a food rule, trying to get him on a food rule, it's amazing. In verse number 21 and 22, here's what the Lord says. He says, no man also soweth a piece of new cloth on an old garment. Else the new piece that filled it in taketh up from the old, and the rent is made worse. You get the idea of that, right? You can't, if you got a hole in your jeans, you better take some old denim. Because everything new shrinks, don't it? You, if I get a pack of undershirts, i got to get a size bigger, because the first thing it does is, you know, it becomes fitted. I'm not a fitted guy. 
Lord help all them folks in skinny jeans, the men. Amen? Ladies too, amen? It shrinks. No man soweth a new piece of cloth on an old garment, because it'll shrink, and what happens? So the new piece fills up that filth it, taketh away from the old, and the rent is made worse. So now you got, instead of one hole, you got a, the whole thing's ripping now. In case you weren't listening, Jesus said, how about this then? Maybe, maybe some of you all don't sew pieces of... Maybe you don't repair clothing. Okay, how about this analogy then? This metaphor, verse 22. No man putteth new wine into old bottles. Else the new wine doth burst the bottles, and the wine is spilled, and the bottles will be marred. But new wine must be put in new bottles. Now, we don't know much about that in our culture. We don't experience it much. But what happens was you can't put new wine in an old wine skin. You can't do it. It has to be new wine in a new wine skin. So what is Jesus saying? What's he saying? He's like, listen, I didn't come, I didn't come to repair an old pair of jeans. I didn't come here to, to add to your religion. That's what he's saying. I didn't come here to make your old wine skins. I didn't come to refresh it with new wine. This ain't what this is. I'm not trying to, I'm not, I'm not trying to add to nothing that you're doing. Jesus has been saying, I'm not even on your all's page. You all are missing it. They're even the ones who made up the rule that the Pharisees fasted twice a day. There's no Old Testament law that they said they had to do it. They're imposing that upon Jesus. It's not even biblical. They're saying, you have to do it. You're not even doing it, Jesus. You call yourself a rabbi, and you're not even fasting twice a week like us. Jesus is saying, listen, guys, I didn't come to, uh, to uh, add to your religion. I came to start my own. I came to make something new. And praise God for that, amen? Praise God that Jesus didn't come to instruct us with a bunch of laws, rules, and precepts. Praise God that Jesus didn't come tweaking some old decision, old system that they arbitrarily made decisions to impose their views of righteousness upon somebody else. I couldn't keep up with that, could you? I need something real. You need something real. You need something that makes something new. Because these old wines, this old wine, goat skin, it needs something new. I need a new goat skin. I, these old pair of jeans aren't going to cut it. I need a robe of righteousness. I don't need a robe of religion. The only way I can have a robe of righteousness, it must come from above. Because my righteousness and your righteousness is filthy rags in the sight of God. Praise God, Jesus came to give us new garments, not a patch. Because if, if it was a patch, then the old garment could say, well, if it wasn't for me, you'd have nothing to hold on to. And the new garment could say, if it wasn't for the old patch, then I wouldn't have any relevance. Jesus came not to add to anything. He came to make something new. And the gospel is what gives life. And the gospel is above rules. The gospel of Jesus Christ, I'm, clothing, I'm closing, i got clothes on my mind, is a relationship with Jesus, not a relationship with rules. We don't have a relationship with rules. We have a relationship with Jesus Christ. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. Whenever we get distracted from the gospel, that's a rule. That's a relationship with rules. Do you see it? Whenever we start saying culture that we come up with this system like i guarantee you if if we felt a conviction in the leadership of the church like we want to start church at 
5 o'clock on Sunday nights, I guarantee you there'd be some hearts, I just know this from experience, that would stay, that there would be some hearts that feel like we are negatively affecting Christianity because of that. There is no place in Scripture that says what time we should do anything. This is just what we found to be the best. What happens is we get involved in a system and we have a relationship with rules and we miss the gospel. And we start keeping all these rules and we become religious and we're, our culture becomes what drives us. And we miss Jesus and we start worrying about food and style and clothes. Hey, what's the rule on clothes? Modesty. Amen? That's the rule. Modesty. Modesty. Men and women. Amen? That's, that's, that's the goal. Why? Because we don't want anything to take away from Jesus. Because if, if, if it's that way, then you're distracting from the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you're missing it just like they're worried about food. Like, can I stay on it for a minute? Hey, we don't come here, we don't come here worried about style. Amen? It's not about style. It's not about, no, it's about I. We, this should be our goal. I don't want to do anything that distracts from the purpose, the relevance, and the person of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And anything that takes away from that is non-gospel, and we don't need it. That's the direction. That should be our, attention, our intention. Amen? They had a relationship with rules and not a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus said in John 14, 15, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. If you love me, you'll keep my commandments. So you say, well, I thought, I thought, so you're saying there's a rule, commandments. Every time we hear the word commandments, we think rule. No, Jesus said, if you love me, that's relationship. If you love me, you keep my commandments because you love me. See, the center is Jesus. It's a relationship. Brittany loves me. She keeps the covenant because she loves me. I love Brittany. I keep the covenant. See, that's the, so you're, you're following a rule. No, I don't want to because I love her. You see, you see, it's a relationship. Say, so, oh, you're following a rule. What, what are you talking about? I love her. So why do you, some might say, some skeptics, some atheists or non-Christians would say, why are you all, uh, why don't you get, I'll pick an easy one, why don't you run around cussing everywhere, everywhere you go? That makes Jesus look bad. For one, he's given me a new nature. And scripture says scripture will come out of the life of the Christian. Did you hear that? Scripture will come out of the life of the Christian. You'll find out as you read the scriptures, you'll think, well, my heart's already expressing that by the way that I live. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit will come and nobody will have to teach you anything. You'll know it. You'll know You'll know. You say, well, why, do you, though, why don't you run around cussing? For one, I, that's not my nature. I'm not saying I'm perfect. I'm not saying I'm sinless. I'm not saying that at all. You know, you can wreck somebody's life and not say a cuss word, too. You know that? So, well, I've never said a cuss word, but you said you hated that person. And you'd never want to see them again. You'd suit you just fine if they, did, if they died. Wow, you might not have cussed, but you should have because it would have been a whole lot less than what you just said. Amen. Now, don't anybody run around cussing by not doing that, okay? That's not, you missed it again. Don't, why don't you run around cussing? Because that makes Jesus look bad. And I love him. 
I don't want him to look bad. When I do something that makes him look bad, it bothers me. Oh, you, you broke a rule. No, I, I broke the law of love. I broke the law of love. I did something that hurt the one I love. You see, if you love me, you keep, your, you keep my commandments. We miss Jesus sometimes because we're worried about rules. And we miss the greatest one. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy mind, with all thy soul, with all thy strength, with all thy body. And the second one will follow along it right nicely. Love thy neighbor as thyself. Amen. Jesus, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? And Peter said, yea, Lord, I'm, you know that I love you. Do you love me? Do you love me? Yes, 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 I love you. And feed my sheep. Amen. Feed my sheep. Let's stand to our feet. Page 330.